everyone, and welcome back to the Internet Reports Pulse Update, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss what's up, what's down, what's working and not working, and generally keep our finger on the pulse of how the internet is holding up week over week. And this week we're discussing why the root cause of big cloud and app outages often comes in small packages, and exploring how they played out during the recent .au DNS issues, as well as outages at Salesforce and Microsoft Azure. And joining me to discuss all this this week is Bernie, my good friend, colleague, senior engineer at Thousand Eyes, and all around nice guy. Hi, Bernie. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be back. And, you know, I mean, we all know that change happens constantly and that's what causes breakage. So happy to review it. Absolutely. Always good to have you here, mate. So let's start with the download. My TLDR summary of what to know about the internet this week in a few minutes or less. When it comes to outages, often a seemingly minor issue can, sca can cascade into something much bigger. And while the component at issue may appear just like a small cog in a big machine, when it's not working properly or even sticking, the repercussions can be significant. The impact of that malfunctioning cog is often exasperated by a lack of understanding or visibility into the entire end-to-end -end service delivery chain. Over the past fortnight, the disruptive power of these seemingly small cogs was on display a number of times, including when something as small as an expired security key had big ramifications to some sites leveraging the .au direct namespaces. And this is what we saw for a number of large Australian websites using directdomain.au, where it failed to resolve for up to an hour, including some major media sites. The cause appeared to be a DNSSEC key signing error at the, the .au top-level domain administrator, AUDA. Uh, the incident highlighted the importance of tracking all the small things, but particularly encryption artifacts like keys and certificates. So stay tuned for more on the outage later in this episode. Salesforce experienced an issue with multiple cloud services on September 20th uh, that took four and a half hours to fully clear. The issue manifests itself as users preventing login uh, and access to their services. Like the .ae issues, this cause, uh, the cause of this Salesforce outage appeared to be a seemingly small thing that ended up having a, a big impact. The official explanation is that a cybersecurity policy was changed that excessively restricted permissions for selected service-to-service -service communication, and this resulted in a functional disruption to systems. So no changes ever made in isolation, and validation across the entire service delivery chain by any party instigating any change is the only way to limit unintended impacts. In another example of a seemingly small cog having a significant impact, a recent Azure outage was prolonged when a documented mitigation was undermined by another team's approval process. On September 16th, some Azure SQL database in the East US region experienced persistent errors or timeouts when trying to connect to their databases. The incident lasted all day, uh, though notably occurred on a Saturday, which would have lessened the customer-facing impact. So the incident was caused by a brief power disruption that impacted several racks of compute as well as underlying network infrastructure. Some compute nodes were then unable to boot up due to continued lack of network connectivity. Microsoft said some were stuck in BIOS and required manual mitigation. However, unbeknownst to the on-call team, the documented mitigation forcibly rebooted nodes was actually blocked by an internal process, uh, approval process as an additional safety measure. Microsoft noted in a post-incident report, since their, their on-call engineers were not aware of this requirement, they continued to seek alternative mitigation options. Once this was clarified and their engineers understood why the mitigation was not being applied correctly, they proceeded to reboot the relevant nodes. The devil's in the detail and small things really matter. And what this shows is that understanding the end-to-end -end service delivery chain, your role in it, and how what you do affects others is critical to performance and uptime. So switching gears a bit from the outages can come in small packages theme, on September 19th, some people playing single player games on PlayStation Network reportedly found themselves unable to access titles from their library of downloaded games or to initiate or connect to game sessions. Users in various regions appear to be impacted, including North America. Multiplayer access appeared not to be affected. 
PlayStation identified the cause as an unspecified external issues. Now this outage illustrates the fact that no matter how big or small or even if one component of the service delivery chain encounters issues, the whole system can be affected. Multiple dependencies all need to function for correct operation and you can't always assume to know what these dependencies are. In this instance, the assumption could have been that as a single player game from my library, I wouldn't have to rely on the internet. But things like, uh, like callback to verify, uh, user identify or, or uh, validity of a license, etc., are often required to, to uh, happen at a regular cadence. So stay tuned for more on this uh, outage later in the episode. And the final outage to note, on September 13th, Microsoft Teams encountered delays or failures sending or receiving messages. The application front end was accessible, but attempts to log into the system and or interact with it resulted in HTTP 500 errors and timeouts, indicating some form of back-end system or distribution layer issue. The impact appeared primarily limited to use in North America, and the problems were ultimately resolved by rerouting the impact of traffic to healthy infrastructure to alleviate the impact. So the quicker you can determine the fault domain in the context of the user experience, the quicker you can mitigate or work around an issue. So that's it for the download for this week. And as always, we've included chapter links in the description box below so you can skip ahead to sections that are most interesting to you. And if you haven't subscribed yet, we'd love if you take a minute to hit subscribe button right now. It really helps us out and make sure that you're the first to know when a new episode drops. And if you're interested in more outages and analysis like this, definitely encourage you to check out our Internet Outages Timeline, which covers several not notable internet outages and application issues from the past year, along with the lessons they leave. I will include a link to that in the description box below. So please feel free at any time to email us at internetreport@thousandice.com. We always welcome your feedback and questions. And now let's take a look at the overall outage trends we've been seeing. So global outage over the two-week period from September 11th to 24th initially rose from 184 to 229, which is a 24% increase when we compare that to September the 4th to the 10th. Now this was followed by a 15% decrease the following week, with observed outages dropping from 229 to 194. Yeah, Mike, I mean, I think it is interesting, you know, to see the U.S.-centric outages reflecting that same pattern, initially rising from 91 to 107, um, and which was, you know, an 18% increase when compared to September 4th through the 10th. Um, then they dropped from 107 to uh, 83, you know, the next week, which is about a 22% decrease. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know we've talked about this in previous episodes, but this pattern is reflected of previous years where Thousand Eyes observed this increase in outages into September, with an increase in total number of outages rising as we head deeper into September, uh, essentially past that September US Labor Day holiday weekend. Now, it looks like many of these outages could be caused by routine scheduled work or maintenance efforts, uh, because a large proportion of these disruptions we see appear to occur outside of what we would term typical business hours. Yeah, that's that's so true. I mean, you know, the timing of outages definitely seem to suggest they might be around some related type of maintenance work. I mean, a lot of times, you know, with holidays and things, um, you try to capitalize on when you can do those outages. Typically, they occur while I'm trying to do work because I like to work late at night, which kind of takes me off. But at any rate, um, you know, scheduling a time when many users will be offline is what carriers try to do um, and, and focus on, uh, which probably makes it rough on their knock team. But at any rate, you know, another interesting trend that I wanted to highlight is that, you know, in September 11th through the 24th period, as the third consecutive fortnight we've seen, uh, US-centric outages account for 45% of the total observed outages, which is a considerable amount. I mean, um, you know, this also continues the trend with US-centric outages making up at least 40% of the observed outages, um, which has been the, you know, case since April, except during the July 31st through August 13th period. 
Yeah, that's that's really interesting. That's a trend we're keeping our eye on because if I go back on previous years, we sort of saw this uh, increase in the early part of the year and then we sort of dropped around 35. So by the end of the year, we average around 40%. But this year, we seem to be trending uh, up. Now, um, yeah, we'll look into that further as we go through. But for the moment, we're just going to keep an eye on it uh, to see what happens. As we mentioned at the top of the podcast, a number of large Australian websites using directdomain.au, notably those belonging to media outlets such as the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, failed to resolve for an up to an hour due to a DNSSEC key signing error at the .au top-level domain administrator AUDA. During the AUDA incident, DNS resolved with DNSSEC validation while unable to validate the authenticity of the .au DNS records, AUDA wrote in a brief explanation. As a result, the resolves prevented resolution of, of these domain names for their users. The root cause, uh, AUDA said, was a DNS set key signing process that generated an incorrect record for a short period. Observations indicated that a re-signing key itself may have actually expired. As we noted, this incident highlights the importance of tracking all the small things, but particularly encryption artifacts like keys and certificates. Those details are really important. So with that, let's actually dive in and see what uh, this looked like. Now, I'm about to go in and show you what it looks like in the ThousandEyes platform. For all of those listening on audio only on the podcast, what we're going to look at here on the screen is a view of the outage as seen from the ThousandEyes platform. But I'll be sure to talk you through so you can see what we're talking about and so you don't miss out. And for those who aren't familiar, ThousandEyes is a platform that gives you a great view of the entire digital supply chain. We have ThousandEyes agents across the internet providing us multiple vantage points so we can see what disruptions are happening at both the network and application server levels. Visibility like this can be especially useful to help operation teams quickly identify and fix issues that come up, in addition to creating mitigation strategies in advance that can enable you to minimize any impacts. All right, so what we're looking at here is I'm looking at an HTTP server test. And I want us to look at that because I want to be able to see this process going through, and then we're going to look at what we're doing from a DNS trace perspective. So first of all, what I've actually got here you know, is, is we see the connection method. So we can actually see, and I'm looking specifically if I'm resolving to uh, www.abc.net.au, so that .au domain. So what I can see here, Bernie, is I'm actually looking then at the availability across the top. And this tells me that I can actually get to that website. And as we come across here to the right-hand side, so that whole green section there, I'm showing 100% availability. Then I start to see it drop around this uh, 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 10 past uh, midnight UTC. I start to see sort of uh, go down to 25% and then go down to 0% availability. Now, if I actually look down to the, uh, to the, to the, to the um, uh, the map below, so underneath there I have the map and I can actually see the locations. So I'm actually looking at here, and obviously we're talking about uh, ABC, which is the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. So where my vantage points are, and this is starting to show my vantage points from around the world, this is where we're actually testing from to test this uh, um, uh, uh, visibility. And what you can actually see, these are distributed around the world, so I wouldn't have access to that. So it looks like I'm something fundamentally failing at that point. I can also see this in the, the right-hand side there. What I have essentially, it's not quite, it's a sequence of connectivity. So I'll actually sort of resolve the name first of all, and then I go through and do the um, uh, the connect before I actually then start to sort of connect through up to layer four and then start to exchange information um, and, and, and uh, access the site as it were. So straight away here, I can actually sort of see it's failing at that DNS level. Um, I can see it's there, so this is where I need to look. I could go in then look at the network path, but all it would tell me was that I can't resolve it, so therefore I'm not even gonna to look to a path because I don't know how to get there. So let's actually now just take a look at what that looked like from a DNS trace perspective. 
So what we're looking at now, Bernie, is we've actually gone into um, an actual DNS trace. So what this is, is actually looking at that process. So actually what we go through to kind of resolve the name uh, as, as, as we sort of build up through from there. And what I can actually start to see here is then if I actually look again, I see that same outage. So again, I'm looking at availability. You can see on the other side there, specifically what I'm looking at is a DNS trace in that, that pane on the outside. But just very quickly, if I actually sort of come out uh, from there, I can actually sort of see the trace I actually go through to see it. So I can see here, uh, what I've done is I've populated another window. And what this is telling me is a process is so I can see all the, um, the, the names going through, right through to the authoritative server as I go through to sort of look to these actual names as I as I um, resolve them uh, through there. Now again, just quickly, if I just jump then straight into where we see that outage, what I actually see is first of all, I can see some of the service could be reached, the error message I'm seeing in the status, but then I look at that and I could cut down to that authoritative server, no service could be reached. I can't actually get there, therefore I can't resolve it, which is why we're seeing that failure. So DNS is one thing, uh, Bernie, when we actually start to talk about that connectivity um, that, we, uh, that, that we get, so we say, yeah, as you said, fundamental issue uh, where I actually can't reach it, but there's two processes going on here. So one is we actually need to resolve the name, but can you just talk us through what we what we mean when we talk about a, a DNSSEC? Yeah, so DNSSEC was really designed to provide more secure DNS. So it's basically using a, a public key cryptography method, uh, you know, assuming that client, you know, requests an A record, like in this case, um, you know, that record for, you know, say, acmehero.com for validating that local recursion server. It's going to go through the regular steps like a DNS um, server would. And that normal recursion process occurs beginning at the root and moving all the way down, which is what we're able to show here is those, you know, root servers and the fact that it's not coming back. And if that signature is invalid or, you know, expires or doesn't, doesn't show up, then it's going to be basically ignored. So you wouldn't get the resolution for that with the RSIG associated with the A record for acmehero.com. And, you know, that recursion process and those authoritative servers and the, and the DNS key record that that's all tied together and really is what creates that, that, extra layer of security associated with these domains. So that that's basically, as you said, to sort of validate, to make sure that who I say I am is who I am. So I'm authorized to actually be able to tell you, this is how you get to, in this case, abc.au uh, uh, going through there. Exactly. And it helps reduce, you know, things like DNS poisoning, things like that, you know, that, that could occur, um, just making it overall a more secure methodology around DNS. Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing around this is, just, so that's a method there and it's sort of protect us to, to going on from a DNS point of view, totally valid and we, there's a lot of it out there. Uh, but interestingly, this would have shown up as a DNS error. We talked about it being DNS. It's only when we actually look at the details into the trace that we start to see what's what's going on here and then we'll actually go through and you can actually see then um, if you actually look to sort of resolve that and because it was happening in Australian daytime, I could actually see what was going on and we could actually then see the certificate uh, sort of being rejected uh, when, you, when, you, when you're uh, looking at that process or not validated more accurately there. So the point I'm trying to make in that, that ramble there is that this was something sort of that is fundamental to DNS, but not DNS itself, but it manifested itself in a DNS issue. Exactly, which is important to have you know, not just as you show the HTTP server test, but have a DNS server test and the trace test to back it all up and combine those together in your troubleshooting methodology. And as you mentioned before, like this small cog um, kind of piece, and this would be kind of that foundational cog. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And next, what I really want to talk about is the PlayStation uh, network outage. So Bernie, can you give us a quick overview of what we saw there? 
Yeah. So on the 19th, uh, you know, single players, um, you know, on the PlayStation Network you know, reportedly found themselves unable to access, you know, titles from their library that they or the downloaded games that, you know, they initiate, you know, an online connection for those game sessions. So users in various regions appear to be impacted, you know, including North America. Multiplayer access appeared to be unaffected, but anything that needed to have that, you know, digital check in with the store was was definitely having some issues. Um, PlayStation did report some unspecified external related issues as the root cause, um, uh, but didn't specifically name any third party provider. Yeah, that's a, that's a great overview, Bernie. And sort of adding on that, what I wanted to do is a, a few things that we observed about the outage uh, in, in, in the Thousand Eyes platform. So again, so we've gone back into Thousand Eyes platform. Here we're looking at an HTTP server test as we were uh, sort of before. But yeah, I really want to sort of want to show a, a couple of things here. So again, I'm looking at availability. Interestingly here, we saw us it chopping, right? So, so we can actually get there. The difference between that is if we actually look then down to the, 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 the bottom view there, where we have the map and the table and the reachability. What we're actually seeing then is we're seeing that sort of failure or the errors, I should say, rather than failure, we're seeing them at the HTTP and the receive level. So, so what that I think, what that tells me then is again, I'm looking at something I can actually reach a network. So I'm actually able to resolve name and actually then go into the back end and I can actually, this is where the problem is, is where I'm having some sort of connectivity within that back end uh, uh, system there, or you know, in this case, sort of the external provider that where that's actually hosted. Yeah, the status by phase really helps set the stage right away just with a visual cue of like how far do we get in that connectivity with the you know three-way handshake and you know DNS and all those pieces. It's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And just another thing I want to point out, we've heard anecdotally this sort of impacted uh, North American uh, users there. But again, if you're looking at our map there, we can see sort of vantage points that we talked about from around the globe. This is where we're running tests for. Now, what we're, we're saying here is that if someone had been connecting from those locations, doesn't this reflect the users themselves? But this is saying if you were coming in from that area there, you would have potentially had this issue or, or experienced the same uh, degradation there. So this is what we had. But the fact then anecdotally we're talking about it from a North American perspective, I said it came out for report, might have been something to do with time of day, although, yeah, like, much like yourself, Ernie, these people are sort of 24 by seven, uh, look at the system there. So that's less likely to be an issue. Um, it may well have been something, and again, it's, it's difficult to speculate there, but it might have been something to do specific to that group of users and their identification, their verification, the licensing, how that was set up there. Exactly. And I mean, you, you start to see a trend of a lot of these online based authentication backend services, right? And, you know, if you don't have full stack observability associated with it and those things start to go sideways, you don't really have the back end visibility to be able to tell like, hey, is this the API gateway or some key or something like that that's broken or you know, some microservice that maybe didn't scale properly, things like that. Yeah, and that's actually a really important point because this thing comes in saying so, you know, that we're talking about FSO, we're looking, looking inside those sort of back ends, you have to be able to own it. But when, if I don't own that application, such as in this PlayStation, I need to be able to understand those complete chains. I need to be able to understand specifically what's going on. So we're talking about PlayStation Network here, we're talking about gaming, those things, but the same situation could occur within a business SaaS. So the points you've just talked about there, sort of the verification, the identification, the back end license or, 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 or authentication, you know, in the old days, when I'm going to drag you into my age bracket now, Bernie, when we were sort of starting up, if we had software, we downloaded it, we verified the license key once, and then that way, away it went. Here, what we're doing is we're relying on this internet connection because you're constantly having to validate against that license as it goes to make sure that we haven't swapped out the license key or that we are still a valid user using it from that system uh, that hasn't been taken over by somebody else.
Exactly. I mean, that transition to basically network-based authentication for licensing was a, a vast improvement. I mean, I remember the old crypto keys, you had to plug in the back yeah. of a server and uh, that'll date me as well. But, um, <laughs> you know, if that went bad or something or if somebody knocked it off, then all of a sudden your software just stopped working for, for everybody. Um, exactly. I hated those things and I was really, I was really happy about the network-based license piece, but things like this yeah. really shine the light on where those failures can occur. Exactly, and this comes back to that, you know, sort of. The, the, this is a big cog, if you like, but yeah. but this, <laughs> yes. but, but but it was it was it was an unknown dependency, I, I guess, you know. So let's forget where the failure was. The failure was across there, but what highlighted it was, yeah, I wasn't aware I had to connect across the internet uh, from those. So it's these hidden dependencies you don't know about. So you might have mapped out something and all of a sudden a third party API has changed or the API gateway we're going to is actually making a call to some somewhere else. Now, if I'm unaware that I actually have to rely on that particular um, uh, dependency or that third party external system for my application to function correctly, uh, then you know, I'm, I'm chasing my tail. All I know is it's down, I've got angry users complaining and we're not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, this is a, classic page out of the SRE handbook. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So Bernie, it's been an absolute pleasure and I really hope to have you back on again really soon. Super stoked. Thanks, Mike. I mean, this was great to review the latest outages and some of the trends. And we could talk about old times as well, which is always good. <laughs> exactly. That's the reason I'm right here. So that's our show. Please like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. And it's valuable to us. As if I mentioned at the top, it not only does it ensure that you're notified as soon as a new episode is available, but it really helps us shape the content of the show for you. Follow us on X, formerly Twitter, at Thousand Eyes. And any questions, feedback, guests, just general uh, information you want to provide to us, please send us a note at internetreport at thousandeyes.com. And so until next time, goodbye.